Hi everyone, welcome back to All Your Thoughts. Today's episode isn't part of the COVID series, although COVID is part of the topic. A white man murdered eight people at three spas in Atlanta on March 17th. Six of the victims were women of Asian descent. Cherokee County Sheriff's Captain Jay Baker said on March 17th that the shooter had a sex addiction and was tempted by these spas. Baker said he was having a really bad day. In America, we see people of color brutalized in every aspect of life. But a white man kills eight people, and not only is he arrested without being harmed, but people even find ways to empathize with what he did. What happened in Atlanta still hasn't been labeled a hate crime, but that's what it was. The advocacy group Stop AAPI Hate, that's Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, said that it received more than 2,800 reports of hate incidents directed at Asian Americans in the country last year. These incidents include people spitting or coughing on Asian Americans, refusing them service, and physical assault. And late last year, the UN gave a report that said that there had been, and this is a quote, an alarming level of racially motivated violence and other hate incidents against Asian Americans. An 84-year-old Thai man died last month after someone violently shoved him to the ground while he was taking a morning walk. Two people slapped an 89-year-old Chinese woman and then set her on fire. Someone slashed a 61-year-old Filipino-American with a box cutter on the subway in New York. And these are just some of the examples of the increase in anti-Asian hate since the beginning of COVID. But anti-Asian rhetoric and actions didn't only begin last March. Racism is something that Asians and Pacific Islanders have always lived with in the U.S., and the racism these groups endure has many faces. So today you'll hear from Mae Marks, a Chinese-American woman who grew up on Nantucket Island in Massachusetts. Thank you for listening. So my name is Mae Marks. I am originally from Nantucket, Massachusetts. I'm currently going to school at Loyola Marymount University in LA. I'm an adoptee from China, um, but and I was adopted into an all-white family. So I kind of have like a timeline of like, because I went through a lot of different stages regarding like my comfort level with being Chinese. So like in elementary school, um, I was definitely very proud of being Chinese and like being adopted because it was kind of like a unique thing that made me stand out from everyone else. So like during show and tells, I'd like bring in things that my parents got when they adopted me. They had like little paintings and like kites and like little things like that. Um, they also had like piece of the Great Wall of China, which was kind of cool. So I like I would bring that in for show and tell and be like, hello, everyone. Like I was adopted from China. Like this is all the stuff my parents got when... Um, they got me and I was just like super proud of that and I feel like the concept of being adopted like is kind of weird to especially elementary schoolers like when you're five to like 10 years old like I don't think people really understand so a lot of people would ask me like oh do you ever want to know your parents Um, and I'd always be like no like I don't want to know them they're probably dead and like I don't know why I said that I think that was just me like because even though I was uh, proud of being Chinese at that point I still felt uncomfortable about like not knowing my real parents and that whole part of it. So that was kind of like elementary school. 
And then, like, into middle school, that's when people actually started, like, making fun of me for being Chinese. And, like, all the stereotypical jokes came in, like, the, oh, you dog, like, the slanty eyes, like, those kind of things. So then I was like, oh, like, is it bad to be Chinese? And, like, my whole perception of my identity changed. And I was, got really uncomfortable with the fact. So I tried to, like, kind of push it away and, like, not associate myself with it anymore, especially coming into high school. Um... In high school, that was when I was really like, I do not want to be associated with being Chinese. I ha- I'm white. Like, I really tried to convince myself, like, I was white in a way. Um, like, I don't know if you remember, but when I used to, like, wear fake eyelashes all the time. And, like, I started wearing makeup pretty early on. And so that was, like, a way for me to, I don't know, it was kind of like a mask almost. Because I feel like the makeup made me look ma- less Asian. Or at least that was what I kind of thought myself. Even, I don't know if it it definitely didn't, but, like, that's what I told myself. But, yeah, I think that was definitely, like, one way I tried to, like, like hide Asian features. Like, it made my eyes look a lot, like, bigger, I guess, when I wear fake eyelashes. Um, so that was, like, one thing. And then I just remember in middle school one time, it was either, like, late in middle school or high school, I came in with no makeup one day, and like, no mascara, and I was, like, feel- I was like, oh, I look so good today without makeup. Like, I'm just going to go into school. And then literally when I went to homeroom, so it must have been high school if it was homeroom, um, but then like a friend pointed out like, oh, you look so Asian. And then everyone just like came up to me and was like, oh my gosh, yeah, you look so Asian right now. And I was like, I got really embarrassed because like they're saying it as if it was a bad thing. Like, why do you, why do you look Asian? And I got so uncomfortable. I was like, okay, like. I don't know, like, I'm just not wearing mascara. And so that's, like, that really confirmed, like, is it bad to look Chinese or be Asian? So after that, I was, I got, like, definitely more uncomfortable than I already was. Um, And then just, like, throughout high school, like, yeah, I just did not want to be associated with being Chinese. The AAPI community only makes up 2.1% of Nantucket's otherwise majority white population. So one summer, May got to do an entrepreneurship program at Stanford University, and this was the first time she got to actually experience being around other Asian Americans. And then I went to the Stanford program in my junior year, going into junior year of high school, Um, and that's when I actually made, like, Asian friends for the first time, because before that, like, there was probably, like, four or five other adoptees on Nantucket that were adopted from China. Um, but I never wanted to be associated with them. Like, I, like, my mom was like, oh, you should try to befriend them. Like, maybe you can relate um, to, like, their experiences. But I was like, no, like, I don't want to be in, like, the Asian group. Like, that's so weird. So I, like, tried to just kind of distance myself. I never, I don't think I ever talked to them. Um, besides one girl, I went to Chinese camp when I was in elementary school. So I kind of talked to her. But other than that, I was like, I do not want, <laughs> I do not want anything to do with that. So Stanford was like the first time I made Asian friends and it was a whole new experience for me. And I felt like this new connection with um, the girls I was friends with, like just being like, not all of them were Chinese, but like the majority of them were. So I was like, I can relate to them a lot more than like my friends at home because there's just more similarities um, and like not necessarily in like personality, but there's just like this connection that I wasn't quite sure, like, is it just because they're Chinese or... Um, so there's that. And then after that, um, going back to Nantucket, though, after and like senior, I kind of went back to my old like 
like not wanting to um, embrace my identity. But then going into college, before I transferred to LMU, um, being at Providence College, that was like the first time where I felt like people really saw me as like Chinese and not white. Because I feel like in Nantucket, I could kind of blend in almost. And I felt like people didn't really see me as Chinese unless it was like me making jokes about myself and then people joining onto that. But then Providence, like I felt like if people saw me, like they instantly judged me for being Chinese and not like my personality. Like they they wouldn't want to get to know me. They'd just be like, oh, she's Chinese. And like, maybe that wasn't the case, but that's how I felt. Do you have any like examples of experiences with that? I don't know. I feel like it was just like if I tried to talk to someone like and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like I had a completely opposite experience at LMU. So I don't know. But if I tried to talk to someone, it would be like instantly like trying to like push me away or like end the conversation like once and like I feel like we didn't even get to talk about that much but there's so many people that they just did not really want to engage in like a deeper conversation beyond like my name and my major so I don't know it just kind of felt like that and there's one class where it's like province is like majority white students I think it's like 73 percent So it's very segregated between, like, people of color and white people on campus. Like, in one class, it was literally, like, me and other people of color, and then all the other tables were white. So it's, like, I was, like, whoa, for the first time, like, I feel, like, actually, like, a person of color when I'm not associated with, like, being on Nantucket, because I feel like I had kind of created an identity there. So at Providence, I really felt, like, uncomfortable, um... So yeah, that was the first time I was like, people actually see me as Chinese, like not white, which is weird, but... Were you able to find a group of friends, like despite that at Providence? Yeah, luckily my roommate, um, I became really close friends with her, and like we had a little uh, small group, but um, like none of them were, like I was the only Chinese or person of color in that group. Um, And I tried to join a Chinese or Asian American club, but even through that, like, I felt uncomfortable even, like, going there and showing up there because I was, I don't know, because just my experience of being looked at differently, I was like, oh, if I go to the Asian American club, like, people are really going to see me as just, like, just Chinese and, like, not want to associate themselves with me even more. So, um, I mean, coming from Nantucket, too, I feel like Nantucket was pretty segregated in the same way as you're describing um, Providence. Like, I don't know, like, in the cafeteria and everything, like, there was, like, a Jamaican table and a, like, Latin American table and a white table, and then the, like, people of color who white people were like, oh, no, you're actually white to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's so true. Like, I guess that's just growing up in, like, a small community where the majority is white and like everyone I feel like uh those different groups felt like they had to like have little subgroups and felt the most comfortable because it's not very welcoming I don't know I feel like the high like white population in high school is not very welcoming towards like other people of color unless like you said they're like accepted somehow into or they see that person of color as white or having a white personality or something like that. So then you got to the school you're at now, and, like, what was that like? Yeah, that was, like, a whole new world, but for the better, like, 
it was the first time where I actually felt comfortable embracing being Chinese. Um, when I first got there, there's a whole like uh, fair for all the clubs and stuff, and there were so many um, like Asian American clubs. So there's like um, there's one for a Filipino club, a Chinese club. There's one for a Japanese club, Korean club. So there's like literally an entire Asian and Pacific Islander community. Um, and I think that's just California in general has a lot of lot bigger like Asian population than the East Coast. So I was finally like, oh my gosh, like there's so many people like I can become friends with that are actually like Asian. And like, um, so I started like joining those clubs. And at first I thought that you could only join like the Filipino club if you were Filipino. But like, that's not the case at all. Like literally the entire Asian Pacific Islander community is like so close. And like once I made like friends in like one place like they'd know people and then I'd say hi to them and like it kind of just expanded um and then my closest friend um I met her in a history class so it was kind of funny because like she was also Asian um and then I just got to know more people through her and then my close friend that I'm living with now um she is an adoptee so it kind of just it was like a whole new experience and like I'd feel more so much more comfortable like something as simple as like wearing a necklace with Chinese writing on it. I never wanted to wear that before, like, going to LMU, because I was, like, like, again, it was just, like, a symbol layer on my neck, like, I'm Chinese, but, like, now I can actually wear that necklace and, like, feel proud and, like, happy about it. So something as simple as that just completely changed, um, like, how I feel about myself and, like, how happy I am to be Chinese and, like, all of that. So LMU has really, like, completely changed my experience and, like, my um, comfort level with being Chinese which is great. What I've been seeing is that there's also, like, um, a big, like, sexual aspect of the stereotypes that we have in America against Asian women. Like, do you feel like that happened to you? Um, I feel like, yes. Like, especially, I don't know if it was just, like, freshman year and, like, the upperclassmen, like, being creepy towards freshmen or like if it was this but like I there was a lot of like creepy like upperclassmen that I don't know like that I, I don't know if that was the exact reading like the fetishization towards like Asian women but I definitely did feel like kind of targeted like Asian women are usually depicted as being like very um like subordinate like very like they'll just go along with everything like um like be dominated so sometimes I did feel like that um, and it made me really uncomfortable. Um, and there actually was a specific case with, like, someone like, directly telling me, like, oh, Asian girls are just freaky. Um, and, like, so basically there was, like, a lesbian in the school that had a crush on me. And she, like, wanted to, like, I don't know, get with me or whatever. And I was like, oh, like, I'm sorry, but, like, I'm straight. I, I just, like, I don't want to have a relationship or anything. Um, so then I was talking to a friend about that. And I was like, yeah, like, I don't know why she's being persistent when I've, like, told her, like, that I'm straight and I don't want to have a relationship. And so my friend told me that, oh, it's because Asian girls are just freaky and, like, known for being lesbians. And I was like, what? Like, I've never heard of this. Like, I was so confused and I didn't really know what to say at the time. So I was just like, oh, haha, yeah, like, I guess so. But when I think about it, I was like, that was really messed up to say and, like, a really bad stereotype that I had never heard of. Um, but, yeah. 
that's just like one like a specific case of like kind of being sexualized for being Asian because apparently they're freaky but another time when May was only 14 years old she found herself in an uncomfortable sexual situation with an older boy who had a girlfriend when his girlfriend found out about it she told May that he was only interested in her because she was Asian do you want to talk about what happened in Atlanta yeah I definitely say like I'm not surprised that it happened because of like the recent presidents like saying like oh it's the china virus or like and he like literally puts the blame directly on chinese people so obviously after that there's been like a huge spike in assaults towards like asian americans in general um so even like after um like when i was coming home from california after covid i wasn't scared necessarily being assaulted but i was definitely scared someone was going to say something to me at some point like even being in lines in like the grocery store i was like I didn't want to be too close to someone, like, obviously because of COVID, but also I was scared that people were going to be like, can you, like, get away from me? Like, you're the one that caused this virus or something like that. Like, I really was scared someone was going to say that to me. Um, and just, like, also coming back to the East Coast, I was definitely more scared because it feels a lot more um, less open towards Asian people than the West Coast. Um, so, like, that. But now that, like, there's actually, like, six women were killed. So, like, that's definitely scary like I don't know if I'm like scared that I'm going to be killed like if I'm just going out um like on the like to get some food or something but it's definitely like scary to hear about that and like be, be like being an Asian woman woman so um I don't know I I like can't describe exactly like if I'm scared of being like actually assaulted or scared of being um, like having something said to me, but yeah, it's just very concerning that there's that level of like hate towards, um, and like, I know he's been saying that it's not, it wasn't a hate crime towards Asian Americans because he was like having a bad day and like he was getting out his rage at his, se like, he had a sexual addiction, so he needed to get out his rage or something. But the fact that he literally targeted, like, an Asian, like, place where it was all Asian workers, like, that seems a little suspicious. Like, I don't think you're just having a bad day. I don't know anyone personally that has had anything done to them. I've just heard of experiences, like, people getting spit on or, like, physically assaulted, like, being punched. And, like, being blamed for bringing COVID to America and that kind of thing. So. It's insane because you grew up here. Like, it's so crazy that people have that mindset that, like, any Asian person obviously must have come from Asia, like, and brought the virus as if you've never even been to China. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the fact that, like people just can't like they group every single asian person as a chinese person like that's just also really ignorant and just shows like people really are not like educated or they really just don't know anything that's so shitty that at the same time that you're finally feeling comfortable with being chinese then the pandemic happens and then people like you know the anti-asian hate has just drastically increased like has it has that affected how you feel about being Asian personally, like about being Chinese personally? Uh, it hasn't. Like I 
like I don't feel the need to try to like hide my identity and try to be like more white um I I don't know I feel like in a way like if someone did do that to me like I'd be proud to stand up be like like stand up for myself and stand up for like Asian people in general to be like no like you're not right like what are you doing and just kind of like at least try to maybe educate someone um even though I don't know how that would go depending on the person that made a like comment but yeah I don't feel the need to like try to hide behind anything like I, I still feel proud about like being Chinese and if anything like I'd speak up for myself at this point so do you have anything else you want to talk about I guess just like it's really interesting right now I'm in like a genocide class which like that sounds really morbid but it's really interesting like we're learning about the Armenian genocide the Holocaust and the Rwandan genocide and my professor brought something up that's like pretty scary um just like we've been like studying the patterns of like how a genocide occurs and like one of the things is like a small like group that feels like their lives are being changed by like new movements or they feel threatened by like um like new races or other people around them um so like it's kind of scary thinking about like the white supremacists in america and how that small group like they feel threatened by any kind of diversity or anything like that so like following the patterns of past genocides like she was saying that like it's not impossible that they could like start something um and like even through all the hate that's been going on, like, that's kind of, like, a red flag of, like, the racism in America and what's happening right now. And so, not to say that there's going to be a genocide towards people of color in America, but she said, like, it's not impossible at the same time because of what's happening right now. So that's just, like, something that's really scary to think about. So I feel like America really needs to wake up and start doing something about that so yeah that's just like one thing that I think about when I think about all these like discrimination acts of discrimination towards different groups of color yeah the six Asian women who were murdered were mothers and grandmothers and wives but above all else they were people and a culture that has used them as jokes ignored and sexualized them and allowed more empathy for their murderers than for their existence is at the root of this. Thank you to May for sharing your story. The description of this episode will have links for ways you can help stop Asian hate. Thank you so much.